Welcome to the Golden Moment Podcast. My name is Mio Biskin. In this podcast, I had a great conversation with Zanny Kolak. Zanny is an incredible violinist. She has her own projects. One of them is a duo called The Twox. Her own solo pop project called Zanny. She's performed with Jens Lechman, Kate Sobrano, Tim Rogers, Claire Bowditch. She's been on ABC's Rock Wiz and many other things. She also played on a couple of tracks on my latest album, Golden Moment, where in one of the tracks called Twin Flame, she nailed this solo in one take, didn't have to do anything to it. And um, so I really wanted to talk to her about a number of things. So we talked about her journey as a violinist and songwriter, also the, um, the power of improvisation and being very present and a number of other things about performance and recording. Uh, I found it very fascinating. I hope you will too. I'm sure you will. So here's my conversation with Zanny Kolak. All right. So I'm here with Zanny. Welcome to the podcast, Zanny. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, pleasure. This is uh, it's going to be a fun conversation. Um, so, well, one of the ways one of the ways I know you is through um, we. We've made some music together. You've played some incredible violin uh, on my album, but also way back through um, a band member, um, Indiana, who played violin in my band and you were teaching her. Um, and then I got to see you perform with the Twox and um, Jens Lechman. Is that right? Oh, yeah, that's at, right. Yeah. At the zoo. Um, yeah, so incredible performance. So we can go in lots of different directions, but maybe let's start even just with kind of a quick summary of where it really started for you and a, and a few of the maybe highlights that you're proud of. Yeah, sure. Well, I think um, my career has been very varied. Um, and I think that the reason for that is because of one like incident that kind of happened when I started learning violin and I started learning at the age of seven and um, my mum is a visual artist. She's very creative. She's written some plays, this kind of stuff. And she, um, she just said always, um, why don't you think outside the square? Like maybe you could play some Irish fiddle music. So, cause, cause I was learning classical music at the, start, at the start at the time. She said, why don't we go and look at some Irish fiddle music? So she took me to Geelong Celtic Festival and mm. I went and saw one of my favourite violinists, Martin Hayes, and um, his music was mesmerising. I loved it. And mm. then she would say, well, why don't you um, check out some gypsy jazz? I found this CD of Stefan Grappelli. Apparently he's a famous violinist. And so I was it's listening amazing. to jazz violin. Um, Mum didn't know anything about music. She wasn't a musician, but she just always tried to teach us to think outside the square. So even as a young violinist learning classical, I was very aware of other styles of music. And that is why I've ended up playing a lot of different things. And it's also why I have a huge thirst to learn lots of different styles, to apply my knowledge in different settings and why my career is a bit of a scenic route through the industry as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did notice a number of the projects. Maybe you could 
briefly tell us a, a few of them because you have your solo stuff, your duo stuff, you're playing quartets, you do other stuff. Maybe just give us like a little buffet sample of all the different things you've you know been involved in. Yeah, sure. So I guess my professional career really began in first year uni. Um, it had always been a dream of mine to go to the Victorian College of the Arts. And so after high school, I went to VCA. And it was there that I met a lot of my colleagues who I still work with a lot today. So um, one of the first bands that I was in was called Martin Martini and the Bone Palace Orchestra. Oh, yeah. And that was kind of where I got my start. Um, that band was pretty well established. They were performing weekly at the Rainbow Hotel in Fitzroy and I was 18 years old and, um, you know, started playing three sets of music every week with this band, quite improvised. And then we were touring a lot, like Adelaide Fringe Festival. I was playing at the Garden of Unearthly Delights and that's where I really fell in love with that festival over there um, and then a lot of different festivals around Australia and from there I really kind of learnt about um, touring and performing and this music was kind of um, dirty gypsy um, you know messy improvised kind of circusy music um, mm. but it was it was it was great it, it gave, gave me a chance to really explore what I wanted to do musically because I always knew I wanted to write my own songs and um, had always written lyrics and loved writing lyrics um, but didn't know how to do that yet. So I yeah, was doing that while I was doing uni and then I fell into a different band. I started touring with my friend The Chocolate Cake and that was incredible because that was a next kind of... Um, you know, tier in terms of a band so well established, like they had been around for 20 years and mm -hmm. we were touring all over Australia and we also did Edinburgh Fringe Festival. So I guess my start was performing with other people and um, people, would, these bands would know that they could throw to me for a violin solo in any mm -hmm. kind of style and I had been studying jazz and improvisation. So then while I was at uni, I got really into um, my own work and what I wanted to do. And this was predominantly instrumental at the time. I hadn't started singing my own music yet. I just wanted to do instrumental stuff with my friend who was also at uni with me, Manny Kachias, and he's a drummer. And that's where our duo, The Twox, was born. And I started using a loop station. So I really loved the loop station because I could explore... Um, the sound of multiple violins, which I love. I love the mm. sound of a string orchestra, a quartet, mm. um, and I could build these kind of textures. But I'd also been working a lot on how to make sounds on the violin that were unviolinistic, um, like tapping it and working with different like pizzicato riffs and tapping with the back of the bow and looping all of these things. So... The Twox was great. Like I did lots of touring with the Twox and performing. And and then I discovered that um, I really wanted to write my own songs. And I've I've always listened to pop music and I, I love lots of different pop artists. Um, my favourite artists are like Camille and Björk and Sigur Rós and mm. um, 
dirty projectors and all these kind of a little bit experimental pop bands. Um, but then, you know, I also loved like Imogen Heap and Feist and mm. so I really wanted to do that. And I tried creating a band and having someone else sing my songs, but then I felt, no, I think I want to sing them because they're my stories and I want to mm. tell them. So I started taking vocal lessons and I guess from there, as well as playing with other people, I was also doing my own projects and finding my own voice and getting lost and finding it again and lost <laughs> and playing. And then also um, because of this kind of um, in, kind of ex- exploration of improvisation and contemporary violin playing, it meant that I could fit into a lot of different places. So I was also going into the theatre world and <laughs> music direction and I love to organize and to lead and so I was um, putting ensembles together and up until this point now where I still do all of these things and also work with um, you know a passion of mine which has been learning and working on my own feminism and how to encourage other female instrumentalists to be up on stages so um, yeah just it's I'm always searching for ways to make the violin sound not like itself but, um, <laughs> and trying to fit it into different um, different contexts. I guess, you know, the violin is seen often as a stereotypically classical thing, but mm. I really like to shake that up. So yeah. is that a brief overview? That's a very That's long one. Excellent. It's an excellent <laughs> overview. Well, there's lots to cover there. I mean, you cover so much ground you've explored many things and gone in lots of different directions um yeah i mean there are so many threads to pick up on there but one that i mean i'm more interested because i'm a singer songwriter is your journey with 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 that because i i mean it's such a such a personal journey to start going on when you're collaborating with so many people to then be discovering your own voice and telling your own stories um do you remember what sort of inspired you to start going down that track did it start much earlier but then you didn't pick up on it until later how did yes, that happen yes um so i still have some cassettes of me writing my own yeah. songs when i was in um late primary school actually i cool. had a crap guitar um and i had learnt maybe five chords and i have little um tape like i'd record the guitar and then I'd change it to a different tape and overdub like some violin on them and then wow. overdub my vocals and BVs and so terrible recordings but I love them and they're little um pop, pop punk songs so I was like really into Blink 182 and cool. um this kind of stuff but with um very um I guess, lyrics that were very much associated with what, you know, teenage girls or younger were obsessed with, and that was boys and love <laughs> and romance. And I'd never had a boyfriend or anything, but I was writing all these songs about love. Heartbreak songs. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> breakup songs as well. I was writing a lot of breakup songs and I'd never <laughs> been in a relationship. <laughs> very weird. Yeah. Um, but I loved words and I loved, like, I loved school and I loved reading. I was reading a lot and I loved stories and 
I loved learning about poetry as well. So I, I liked alliteration and clever use of words and being witty and um, injecting humour into, into something sad or tragic. Um, so I, mm. I knew that it was something that I loved doing, but because I, you know, was focused so much on violin and violin is my first and greatest love, mm. I kind of thought it wasn't allowed that I would go and do something trivial like sing a songwriter business, you know, like, <laughs> which is so weird, but I just thought... Um, that, you know, what I was pursuing was a very serious craft of learning the violin. Um, mm. So then I kind of put it aside. But then, like, maybe even in second year uni, I was like, I can't leave this aside. I love doing this. This is something that I, I absolutely love. So I had been listening to a lot of Muse mm. and Ross at that time, and I wanted to... I wanted to make my own rock band. I wanted it to be really mm. rocky. Um, and I tried to do that, but it it wasn't good. It was very bad. <laughs> <laughs> what was bad about it? I tried to make it so serious and um, profound and it was just crap. Um but it was where I started. And yeah. so then after that, I created my first kind of, I guess it was pop rock band and it was called Yo Hosey. And it was with my sister on bass. And then um, I had another vocalist and drummer and guitarist. And Yo Hosey went off actually. We did a lot of cool stuff. We were really <laughs> weird and quirky. And it was more um, a time for me to explore pop writing, which I was way better at than rock writing. So. Mm. Um, that went on for a bit and, and then I kept it separate though from the twox. I was like, the twox is mm. like my serious thing. And when I sing and write pop songs, it's not serious, but I loved it so much. Like, mm. and I really grappled with it all through uni because it was kind of looked down upon pop music was looked down upon and I had a real complex about it and really struggled with it. But, um, yeah, then, then I guess I just kind of thought, no, this is something that I keep wanting to go back to. I, I, I want to write words to music. I want to explore all these th thoughts that I have in my head. Um, and for a long time, the songs, though, that were coming out were relationship songs because I was going through a relationship that was all-consuming and I, I couldn't think of anything else. And so even though I, I love a lot of those songs, um, I wish that I had written some things that weren't just about relationships at that time, just to see what mm. my thoughts were and to have that record. Um, mm. So it's really only been in the last maybe four or five years that I have been able to finally explore what my um, songwriter voice might be without any kind of fear or um, worry about, um, whether it will be judged by my peers or something mm. or, yeah, just taking it as a serious art form um, because I am very much a lyrics person. I, my, a lot of my favourite songs, um, you know, I really I love lyrics. I love connecting with lyrics.
Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you have a, a deep love for lots of different kinds of music. Like there's space in your heart to like love violin music, Stefan Grappelli, and then, you know, love Feist or other kind of pop music stuff. Um, did, did it feel like that was kind of always there, just that, like that curiosity and hunger for, for music and to explore? Or was that something like that your mum sort of instilled of like, try this, check this out? Because one, I mean, one thing, you know, looking at your, your work, it's varied, but it, it's also, you know, quite unique and interesting. Your approach to things is, is unique and interesting. Um, and, and your personality, like, you know, funny and quirky and all those things. Where, where do those things, can you pinpoint where those things sort of come from? Is that also from your upbringing or do you feel like it's just your personality and you just allow yourself to express those things? Oh. <laughs> you wanted to go deep. Yeah, so we, I know. I thought, <laughs> I thought about this, but such a good question. I think so it's it's really hard. It, primary school for me was really hard. I loved it. I loved the school and everything, but I was bullied a lot and um I desperately just wanted to be accepted. So, um, but I didn't really, I wasn't super conscious of it. I knew that that was happening, but I was also like, I don't really care because I'm doing violin. And also I'm a very optimistic person, but then I'm also very pessimistic. I don't know, but I, I feel like I'd get up in the morning and go, okay, here's a new day to start again. Like maybe today will be better. Um, and then go in and maybe I get bullied again or whatever. And then I'd be like, Ugh. and then I'd go home to my safe kind of home without, you know, social media and stuff. Cause it wasn't around mm. back then. So I could switch it off and didn't have to think mm. about it. But um, I, as a result, I listened to the music that everyone else listened to and tried to keep up with what the trends were. So I was actually listening to a lot of top 40 pop when I was growing up. I, even though mum was showing me Martin Hayes and Stefan Grappelli, I still would probably watch or listen to whatever was popular. Um, yeah. Like I was a huge fan of Aqua for a long time. Oh, yeah. Awesome. So I think that my music tastes were pretty questionable. Like I wasn't any sort of deep kind of kid. Like I, mm. I didn't know, and my parents weren't musical, so they weren't listening to anything mm. outside. Like they weren't even really listening to much. Like I remember my dad having like John Fogerty and, um, this terrible band called Deep Forest and like, or maybe we'll listen to Tina Arena or something like it was just mm -hmm. very, very different to what my musical tastes are now. So mm. I can't see that anything happened then, but my personality like has all, I guess though that mum teaching me that thing of um, thinking out, like I think it was more that I was growing my process of creating my, my way of, and like you mentioned that my approach to things, right. That 
and this is this is how I've been trying to explain my music even just now that um, it's very hard because even on my new record like there's a bunch of instrumentals and there's a bunch of atheist hymns and there's a bunch of pop tunes like it's to me, I go, oh, my gosh, everyone's going to be so confused. But then I ask my, like, my, my very um, generous fans, so the ones that are always come back and who have followed me for over a decade, and mm. that's what they love. They love that we never know what you might do next. And mm. I think maybe that is the epitome of who I am as an artist, that I want to keep creating in new ways, fresh ways, exploring sound, exploring ideas, probably out of a hope and optimism around the idea of progress, that if we can progress, if we can um, improve, like, as humanity, you know, that we can change, that people can change, the music can change, that everything can grow and um transform and be better mm. so that could could have been what was growing when i was younger that approach approach to how to create but definitely not um my musical tastes and styles that took a lot longer <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, I definitely relate i've got some questionable you know things i used to be so into around that time aqua mine was probably more like just the big hair band like poison and Motley Crue and all that stuff. I was like, I was down for that stuff. You've got to start somewhere, don't you? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And my brother's, my brother's records. He had Kiss records and Aerosmith. And yes, stuff like oh, that. Aerosmith. I loved Aerosmith too. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Um, <laughs> did you did you actually grow up in Geelong, or you just went to that uh, thing? In no, Geelong? I just went to that festival. I grew up. Um, I grew up on the Mornington Peninsula, actually, in a oh, place right. called Sandville. And then my parents would move house every time I wanted to move school. They'd move around for us, which was right. very, very spoiled. But um, <laughs> they would do everything for us. And so taking us to a festival in Geelong was like, yep, we'll go there and check this out. Um, yeah. They were just very active in helping us and learning as well. Like they had never been into music really in this way mm. and apparently i wanted to learn violin when i was five but they were like mm. no why why do you want to learn violin no yeah but i just wow. kept wow. nagging wow do you remember what spurred that on your interest in violin did you I don't just, see it somewhere mom, and yeah well mum reckons that i saw some of my friends playing violin at the school because the school i went to they offered violin so she reckoned i saw some of them and i was like oh i want to do that too mm -hmm. um, so and then she that's why she was a bit like no you just want to do it because you've seen other people do it but yeah. none of them play violin anymore <laughs> yeah 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 awesome um and so Another aspect, I think we'll come back to this thing of like your curiosity to like grow and learn and develop and other that because I think that's a deep optimism that you have, even the pessimism that's within all of us. There's this ultimate dream and hope that we can become better and other people can come better, become better and the world can become better. Um, but I think related to that is sort of this idea of um, freedom and 
um, improvisation. So I know like improvising is really important and it's probably another one of those areas where, I mean, it's crucial to be curious the whole time. Like you can't do it and not be curious because then you're just playing something you just played before and that was enough. So um, yeah, maybe, maybe you can tell us a bit about your journey with improvisation and what role that's played and what you love about it. Yeah, sure. Well, yes. Um, I, even to this day, like one of my values as an artist and as a person is freedom. I, I don't like moments where I don't have flexibility to move forward from something or get, Mm. go different directions. I always need freedom and, it's one of the reasons why um, being a freelance person is so suiting to me. Um, just couldn't imagine being in a work, like in a setup where I went to the one place nine to five every day. I just, I, I would feel very trapped and it would make me very, very, um, very depressed. So freedom, yeah, it kind of, um, it flows through everything that I do, but I can actually pinpoint a time when improvisation came into my life. So I had been doing all this classical stuff, um, and then in, then I went to Blackburn High School actually in Year Nine, and they're a specialist music high school. Mm. So. Before that, I had kind of been keeping my options open. Like I loved music, but I didn't know if that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I kind of was looking at Japanese and teaching and arts and stuff like this because I was mm. I was into studying and I loved school and I loved learning. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, at the end of year eight, I thought I want more music. Um, so I went to Blackburn High School and... It was amazing. Like I was surrounded by heaps of musicians that I hadn't been surrounded by before. I'd never been surrounded by musicians who were all like at the same level and above me, like Mm. people to aspire to be like, and I just thrived in that environment. And we did lots of touring. Like we went to New York City for the school, for a school tour. Um, And I also got introduced to stage bands and the ensemble that, really changed my life was um, an ensemble at the school which was called Latin Strings and the director had transcribed all this music by Astor Piazzolla and I'd never heard of Piazzolla before but I got into this ensemble and it was a small um, ensemble and like with double bass and cello and piano and then viola and two violins and I was playing second violin and Piazzolla improvises through his music. Mm. And so this director would notate everything that everyone had to play, but I started listening to this music and I loved it. Piazzolla is one of my favourite composers. I love all his music and it makes me feel so many things. And I noticed that he was improvising these lines. And so I went to the director and I was like, I think there's a lot of improvisatory elements in this. Can I improvise some solos and he was just like yes please that'd be amazing because you know I hadn't really there weren't many people violinists at this time who were wanting to improvise Mm. so I started doing that and I realized oh my gosh I love this and this is something that feels better than when I have to do my Amy B exams and I just feel stressed and I have to play everything there and 
the classical world at this point was making me very anxious like the mm. politics involved with being a string player in classical world is just it's a nightmare and mm. not for me um it's very competitive it's very bitchy it's just <laughs> um so <laughs> like i can't do it I, this is not the world for me i don't want to pursue classical mm. violin it's it's not where i belong but i love this like, this is really cool so um, that's when I started learning. Mum found this jazz violin teacher from Castlemaine. His name Nigel McLean. All right, yeah. And so he was my teacher for a couple of years, and actually he taught Indiana um, for a little bit, and then I started teaching Indiana. So um, yeah, Nigel really opened up my world to gypsy jazz. Um, and then that's when I thought, okay, I'm going to audition for VCA, the jazz and improvisation course. And mm. so I went on my journey, leaving behind classical violin. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so, um, and what, what, because I mean, we're sort of connecting two things here of the freedom that you talked about and then improvisation. Um, what is it that you love about improvising? Is it, is it simply the freedom or... Um, maybe you can you can describe the feeling of it for for people who are listening who maybe they're not musicians or um, maybe they are but they don't improvise. Um, what are some of the the gifts of improvising that, that you don't get other ways? Yeah. So um, if you're listening and you're not an improviser but you are maybe a classical musician or even a pop musician that plays what is written there um, you know that feeling you get when like let's say you're reading a Bach study or something and you're playing through it and then there's a multitude of ways that you can express this and interpret this music and you have Bach specialists and then you have people who are like I played exactly as they did in the Baroque era. And then you have other mm. people who are like, no, we need to contemporize it. We're going to mm. change it now. Um, and there's all these choices and decisions that you make, but you know, when you just do a crescendo in a beautiful way, or you, you add an articulation that you think is really fitting for this phrase, that feeling of you, um, injecting some of yourself into this piece of music so you go from being an ex executor of what is already there you're more than a machine you are someone who's interpreting something so that feeling that you get of just adding a little bit of yourself or um, trying to make the music transcend the notes on the page go through you and be expressed by you, your experience, your where you are in your in your mind and in your life. That is the feeling that I get when I improvise. So obviously then when I'm improvising, it's the added thing of I'm adding what notes I have to play. And that is kind of a maths as well. So when I went and did jazz and improvisation, you have to learn like hundreds and hundreds of scales and modes and you have to learn about harmony and you have to listen to a lot of jazz musicians and transcribe what they're doing and learn the language because what you're doing is you're composing in real time. It's difficult. Mm. It's really difficult. 
Um, and anything can go wrong at any point. So <laughs> I think, though, that I love the rush of excitement of what could happen. I don't know. And I was actually talking to someone the other day that I went in to record um, an album of my own, which is called Three, and it's all instrumental, improvised solo violin music. And I knew I wanted to go in and do this album of just solo violin. I just wanted to put it down with my loops and effects. And, and like, I booked it in. I just booked in a day at the studio and I booked it in maybe a few months before it. And so for those months leading up, I was like, I must write the music for this album. And I sit down to do something and come up with nothing. And then it got very, very close. And I was like, I've written nothing. And I got this <laughs> time. Um, and then it just hit me. I was like, no, I always get anxious when I go into the studio and I have to perform something that is written down or that is predetermined. I'm just mm. going to go in and just improvise the whole thing. I'm not going to have any ideas. Just go get in the zone and just play for a few hours. And I was like, oh, I feel so much more relaxed now. <laughs> and some people might be like, oh, my gosh, that is like my worst nightmare. I would hate yeah. to go in without any prep. But for me, it feels freeing. It feels like now I can be open to anything happening. Mm. And that feels, feels, that's what it feels like to me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the description of it, it, it's, it sounds like um, it's a kind of extreme sport in a way, like, or like tightrope walking or something like that, where there are very few handholds, um, well, except for the mountains of practice that you've done in the past and knowing the scales like on a subconscious level where you can just like, you know, grab what, what you need to grab. Um, but yeah, for, for many people, it could be one of the most terrifying things to get up in front of people. But um, so you mentioned, so there are a few things that are like the, just the amount of self-trust that you need in order to do any level of it, like even in the beginning to be able to do it. Um, but then you mentioned like getting in the zone. This is also something I'm fascinated with, you know, with creativity and how creativity works. Um, when you say that, do you do anything in particular or um, do you just take a moment? Do you have any, any particular strategies that you use or describe that moment just as the red light starts to flash? How do you find a way to get in the zone? Yeah. Um, so I have been doing it for a long time now and I used to... Uh, consciously think about how to get in the zone but now I just let it happen I, I get out of the way and let it happen but I do know that I am always performing at my best and this is in terms of coming up with good improvised ideas um, singing and playing well and coming up with really great witty funny banter in between songs so all of these things happen when I am relaxed. So um, it was actually really interesting this year um, when COVID hit, I decided to do the 30 days home 
series of yoga with Adrian on YouTube. Oh, yeah. yeah, I love Adrian. <laughs> and I hadn't done, I, I've done yoga every now and again, but I hadn't, I've never done it like 30 days in a row. Mm. Um, anyway, this series was exactly what I needed while everything was being cancelled around me. And so 30 days in a row, I turned up, did these different yoga. And the way that Adrian works it is she does a new theme every day. And I'm not going to spoil the amazing surprise for everyone that happens in the last episode, but it was super helpful for me that the best stuff for me happens when I just let go when I just let go and trust in the moment and also know that I have no control of the moment. Like I have done the practice and the the work beforehand, but anything could happen. Like a global pandemic could suddenly happen. I have Mm. no control over these things. And I've always been a person who has had a lot of fear about not having control. So mm. this year especially has taught me some really valuable lessons. But um, mm. if I'm very relaxed and sometimes now before I do a stream or before I do a gig, I'll make sure that in the day I've done some yoga, just mm. deep breathing to relax. I try to keep my schedule really normal and I'm going to get nervous probably about the gig beforehand, like a few hours beforehand, but then as soon as I'm ready to go on stage i get up on stage and i just everything relaxes i just feel better i'm like oh thank god i i'm in my happy place now and now i'm just gonna let go Mm. easier said than done right i'm just like Mm. just let go just relax Mm. but yeah 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 are there things that help you do that like just breathing or do you focus on anything in particular just breathing um I actually even think if if like I don't have much time, I'll even go to the the toilets at the venue or whatever and I'll mm-hmm. sit there and I'll put a timer on my phone for three minutes and I'll go just focus on my breath. So I did do a mindfulness course a few years ago and this is a technique that I learned from there that I'll just um, do deep breaths and just focus just on the breathing. So I'm just mm-hmm. like listen to it, feel it, um, and then if other thoughts come in, I just acknowledge that they're coming in, but I'll just mm. try to then focus back on the breath. And if I do that for three minutes, I notice um, that I'm much more like grounded and relaxed when I have to go on stage. Yeah, great, great. And so um, what does the role of presence play in, I mean, that's sort of the preparation to improvise or to record or whatever. What about in the space of improvisation? Mm. Well, actually, I mean, there there are moments when I am not super or hyper aware of what I'm doing in the moment because I'm kind of, um, I'm, I'm just in it. Um, then other times I'm very aware of what's going on. That doesn't, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, But one thing that I do find I have to control a bit or learn is to enjoy it when it's happening. So, Mm. you know, I am a very busy person and I like being busy and I'm a bit of a busy 
busyness addict and it's not good. So I highly recommend that you don't go down that path. But um, I will often be on a gig and, you know, just played a cool song or played a good improvisation. Then I'm like, oh, hopefully I'll um, be able to do that when I do that next gig that's in a month or you know, and mm. then I'll get through the gig and I'll be like, okay, great. I got through that gig and it went really successfully. Well done. Um, rather than just being in it and going, oh my gosh, I'm in a gig right now. It's so enjoyable. How do I feel? What, what does it smell like? What does everyone mm. look like? And mm. so um, I've been really working on that in the last couple of years of how to hone in on being in the moment when I am more aware. Obviously, when I'm not mm. aware, I'm just in whatever it is, then I am so in the present that I'm not mm -hmm. even aware I'm in the present. But, yeah, um, yeah but I'll, I come in and out of that state. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it went deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that that moment when you're deep in the improvisation is when you are completely present because you're not connecting to anything that's external in the future, in the past. You're just with, with what's happening and what's just about to happen, maybe like yeah. a couple of milliseconds ahead of where it's going or whatever. But that's, that's yeah. such an um, incredible space to exist in, isn't it? It's a very magical thing that as musicians, we're very fortunate to uh, get access to that place because Sometimes I, I, you know, I wonder what people who don't have music, how they access that place. And I guess meditation is one of those things. And I don't know, maybe someone who works at 7-Eleven at the counter, maybe they have moments of that where there's lots of action happening and they're in, in a flow state, maybe. But um, true. It could be, yeah. Yeah. I know. It's interesting. We are and it does happen in sports and things like that. You yeah, know, like yeah. The, the typical example people give for the flow state is like rock climbing because when you're on oh. the when you're on the face of the rock you can't really be thinking about you know your shopping list or whatever it's like you've got to be totally yeah. aware but very cool um and are there any projects you're working on at the moment that you want to share about any like exclusives on the golden moment podcast <laughs> awesome um well i guess what I am working on at the moment is, so since May, I've been streaming over on Twitch. I don't know if you've mm. done any exploring of Twitch, um, but I really love Twitch. It's, it's predominantly a gaming um, platform, but mm. there's a lot of musicians on it. And um, it's been interesting because each week when I've been streaming, I've been coming up with different themes to improvise on. So there was a month where I decided electronic dance music was my theme. So in week one, I was just listening to a lot of craft work and I decided mm -hmm. to improvise an entire like hour and a half set of craft work inspired music. So I'd come up with lyrics on the spot, get people to give me their lyric ideas and mm. weave them in and, um, yeah, just all improvised, no predetermined stuff. And then I went disco and then psytrance and, yeah, just Great. went down a journey of doing this stuff and it was really cool, kept me busy and also taught me a lot about music. So mm. I think, um, like, I've got my last stream this Sunday 
um, on Twitch for the year. And then I'm doing a stream on Monday on Facebook to play all the songs off my new album that I just put out in October from the bottom of the well. And then I'm doing my one and only gig for um, this half of the year on <laughs> December 9th. I am going to be playing at Jazz Lab in Brunswick. So I'm actually going to play with my trio. Um, but I think the, the next thing that I want to work on is utilising this technology a little bit more, utilising this mm. Twitch platform and how to create new music with audience interaction and mm. um, theme, like theme-based releases, um, maybe not an album next year, maybe just lots of different singles and mm. um, new ways of releasing. I just think I'm ready to start exploring and, again, like trying to create differently, trying to come up with a new way of putting out music and questioning about whether um, I have to leave pop behind because I'm, I'm technically too old um, to be doing pop music anymore <laughs> and I'm a woman and older women don't exist in the, the music industry. So there's a lot of <laughs> challenges up ahead. But, um, yeah, I think that's going to be my next, my next experiment. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, I'm sure if you approach it with the way, the curiosity you approach everything else, it's going to be awesome. So oh, I'm looking forward to that. And um, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll share links to the thousands of projects that people can go and check out that you've been part of. But yeah, mainly, yeah, your, your music and the things that you're doing. And thanks so much for the conversation. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Sorry for talking your ear off. <laughs> no, that's the whole aim of the game. So, again, top marks. <laughs> talk, talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks to Zanny for that great conversation. We covered a lot of ground. I hope you really enjoyed it. Um, you can check out any of Zanny's music, anything we talked about, in the links in the description below. There's lots there to explore from the singer-songwriter pop kind of world to experimental violin um, improvised music. So do yourself a favor and check all of that out. If you want to get a couple of free downloads of some of my songs, you can head to miobiskin.com slash free music. If you want to get a signed and personalized CD sent to you wherever you are in the world, you can head to miobiskin.com slash GMCD. If you like this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend, give it a thumbs up, a like, give it a rating, do whatever you want to do that makes it um, do well in the algorithms. That's always super helpful. Really appreciate you listening and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Bye for now.